from the Dance It Out, a Grey's Anatomy podcast. We're your hosts, Jasmine Petty. And Giuseppe Corallo. Thank you to everyone for joining us. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the Grey's Anatomy season 17 mid-season finale entitled No Time for Despair. So if you haven't seen that episode yet, uh, there are spoilers ahead. There also may be spoilers for uh, the companion episode of Station 19. Uh, so before we get into it, uh, Giuseppe, how are you? How's it going? Oh, uh, well, I have to say it's been a crazy few days. Mm-hmm. Work, finding the perfect Christmas gift, which <laughs> I haven't. Yeah, I haven't. Because you have to know that I'm one of those people that never know what gifts to buy. Even if I know a person very well, I'm always afraid to get the wrong present. Mm-hmm. And I have to hurry because Christmas is approaching. And then I've also started a screenwriting class, which is mm-hmm. exciting. And by Monday, should come up with a plot idea and no genius ideas struck yet. No. So do you have any suggestions? Uh, any suggestions? Um, not off the top of my head, um, but... Uh, <laughs> I know, no. it's difficult. Uh, I, I, well, maybe we could come up with something based on um, the, the episode we just watched. Yeah, because, you know, taking this writing, this, this screenwriting class actually made me realize that old stories have already been told. And that actually the only thing you can do is try to give them a new spin. So that's what I'm trying to do. Take a, 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 a story which is well known and give, give it a new twist, something interesting. I don't know, I'll let you know if I come up with anything interesting. What about you? How was your week, Jasmine? Oh, my week was crazy. Um, very stressful. Very glad that it's done. Um, so, uh, as you know, I was I was a bit late getting to our recording today, and uh, part of the reason for that was um, so I, at my job, um, we're launching a new um, accessible version of our website. Oh. And uh, I've been working on that project. I've been the project lead for about eight months, and uh, I cut it right down to the wire. So you know, I've been working with them, even though I'm not supposed to be at work anymore like online, uh, to get it going because it has to launch today because the deadline is January 1st and then we're all on holidays. So uh, very stressful, but good because we're getting the new website and I've put a lot of work into it. So um, exciting, but also very, very challenging and, uh, and stressful. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited for the holiday break. Yeah. And thank God we have Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> thank God. Thank God. Um, yeah, speaking of which, this was a high-impact episode, uh, so shall, shall we get into the recap? Yes, yes, please. Okay, here we go. Alrighty, in this week's tense mid-season finale, we see Meredith's con- condition improve to the point where she's able to exchange witty banter with fellow COVID patient Tom, and then by the end of the episode, uh, worsen to the point that she has to be put on a vet. Um... Bailey's suffering over the loss of her mother breaks all of our hearts. Uh, and the cafeteria is converted to a COVID ward. Um, and then we see that Winston shows up in Seattle to surprise Maggie with flowers. The human trafficking storyline makes a comeback and Teddy finally tells Owen that her and Allison were lovers. Uh, so that's the recap for this week. Giuseppe, uh, why don't you start us off and tell us uh, what, what your kind of initial thoughts were on the episode? Well, I think it was a vast improvement from last week's episode. Mm. Because as we said last week, the episode felt anticlimactic. 
Yes. But this episode finally moved the storylines forward. Mm -hmm. And even though at the end, as Mer says, we are in the eye of the storm, it was actually lovely to, to have her awake for a while. Yes. I mean, for me, it was like the story had a center again. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, there are also things that I didn't like, but I'll start with the good. So I enjoyed the events of the episode the, I enjoyed the fact that the end of the episode happened at night mm -hmm. because I'm a sucker for the, all the episodes set during night. And also, I thought it was a great contrast between how night is supposed to be calm, relaxing, peaceful, and how it really was chaotic and full of despair. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like Meredith waking up felt like a beautiful dream, like ma magic was happening, a magic that can only happen at night. And then when sunrise arrives, the dream is shattered. The light arrives, but we're uh, like plunged back into the dark, into, the, into this nightmare that seems to have um, no hand. So I thought it was very interesting to, to have the episode during night. And also watching her and Tom talk, talking was, was beautiful. Like we were spying on their secret conversation while the world outside was crumbling and they couldn't do anything because for once they couldn't because they were sick. They can do the one thing they were actually trained to do, to take care of others, to heal. They are healers and now they're the ones who need healing. So watching them talk about their pain, how Tom misses his son, how Meredith is dying to hug her children, what I, was very, very emotional. I think it was maybe my favorite part of the episode. But I have to say, I mean, I don't know if you agree with, with me on this, but I have to say that I hope for the future that when they write Tom's lines, they cut all these sexual allusions. Because yeah, sometimes they're a bit too much. I mean, I'm not a prude, but they seem forced. And maybe that's the point. I mean, they yeah, should talk. To me, yeah, I get it. He's supposed, like, it's supposed to be a little bit on the edge. Kind of like, I don't know, like, not the same way, but like, you know, Mark Sloan, some of his comments were very much on yeah. the edge. Like, it's supposed, he takes it like, he takes it a little bit too far, but he's joking and it's kind of on the edge there. Like at first, when he first started talking about like how neurosurgeons are the best lovers, I was like, you're too much, Tom. But then he kept going with it to the point it got funny because he was so over the top with it. Um, <laughs> like, so I like, his initial comments always bother me, but then he keeps going to the point where it's obvious it's a joke. Like he makes it very clear it's a joke. And so then I think it's funny. So I don't know, I go back and forth. Like sometimes Tom says something and I'm like, Ugh. But other times I'm like, okay, that was funny. So it, it depends. It, yeah, it really depends. Yeah. It depends. I mean, I know that these, uh, it's like the shield that Tom actually wears to engage in conversation with others. Uh, mm -hmm. But I really hope that they can highlight other Tom's traits in the future, you yeah. know? Because I get what you're saying, but when, when he said, when he told Meredith, okay, and I have a to-do list of women, I thought that was a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. I don't know, that's how I felt. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe because now the tone is very different from, where, from when Mark Sloan was on the show. Uh, so maybe that's why, I don't know, sometimes his comments feel strange, but I get what you mean. Uh, so as I was saying, it was it, they had a really beautiful conversation, and I really loved the, the fact that Meredith was was awake 
-hmm. And actually, I have an idea. Because I, I think that when they imagined, when they crafted this episode, they thought that Meredith was going to, the writers thought that Meredith was going to wake up. And so I think that we were going, we were supposed to see the last scenes at the beach between her and Derek, them saying goodbye, and then Meredith was go coming back to life. But I think plans change it. Because, you know, Chandra Wilson and other writers keep saying this season is evolving, scripts are rewritten all the time. Mm -hmm. So I feel that since COVID, sadly, is still a plaque, a huge problem, mm -hmm. I think that they, they have decided to have Meredith stay sick, have a COVID high and then a fall. I mean, seeing her, seeing, seeing the hand, seeing her get intubated was, and I think everyone thinks so was very difficult was very hard yeah yeah it was it was hard for me too um because you had that such a you know um it was such a high and then such a low and it, it kind of reminded me of i know you were saying this last week about tom about it maybe being a um like a surge him getting better but i kind of felt that with meredith like i think one of the i think one of the characters even said that i think teddy might i think one of them when they're all standing on the hallway goes you know, um, like it could have been a surge and it kind of felt that way. Like she got better and then she, it's implied that she overexerted herself trying to save a patient. But as Teddy says, it could have also just been a surge. Like she got, she could have gotten sicker anyway, yeah. even if she hadn't done that. And um, yeah, um, as, as much as I want Meredith to get better, I also understand, you know, we've talked about this before, but that, you know, as I understand it, part of the reason they're having her be sick is to give Ellen Pompeo the opportunity to, to act without a mask and to be on the beach because of some health concerns um, yeah. the actor has, which I, I totally, uh, you know, I get that, you know, that's, it's important that the, if it's tossed up between actor safety and story, yes, they have to go with safety every time, but uh, I got to the end of it and I'm like, it was dramatic, but sometimes I was like, oh gosh, is Meredith gonna be in this bed for this entire season? Oh, yes. I don't know I if can't. I can take it, I don't know if I can take it. No. Well, you don't know, I know, and I know that I can't take it. <laughs> I, I know, I know, I'm sure that I cannot take it. And I, I have to ask you, because I was not surprised by this ending. Since mm. the beginning of the episode, I said, okay, this is exactly what's going to happen, especially with the opening voiceover. Yeah. Were you surprised by the ending, or were you expecting it as well? Um, I wasn't, I wasn't. I... Like, I kind of got that vibe early on in the episode with multiple characters, kind of the calm before the storm, where I've noticed a pattern over the years. Uh, to give a, a more iconic example, the episode before Derek dies, there are yeah. a bunch of scenes where Meredith is talking to Maggie and other characters about how blissful and great her life is and everything's super happy. And even though I didn't know he was going to die when I watched that, because I was binge, I, like, I was streaming it. Um, I remember watching the episode being like, there's something wrong. Everyone is too happy. It's too calm. There is something wrong. I just couldn't put my finger on what it was. And I got that vibe from this episode where, you know, the characters were too okay. Meredith was doing too much better. Tom was looking too good. Like they were just a little bit too okay. And I'm like, oh, something's about to happen. So I wasn't sure what it was, but it didn't surprise me that something did happen at the end. Cause I'm like, I got that vibe early on. Um, yeah. so I was like, I wouldn't say I was surprised it was Meredith. I just, um, I just wasn't sure who it was going to be. I, but I did, I did have that vibe. So I guess I was, you know, I didn't know it was going to be her, but I, I, I'd gotten that vibe. Yeah. 
Yeah, I actually thought it was going to be her because, as you said, the point is that they're trying their best to protect Tell and Pompeo. Mm-hmm. And also, I think that they have realized that people are loving the beach scenes and guessing who's next, you know? Yeah. So if you think about it, this has been the question. I mean, who's going to be next at the beach with Meredith? Who's going to come back from her past? This has been the question overshadowing all the narrative of the show mm-hmm. for the past few weeks. And yes, at the beginning, I was excited about the beach scenes because we saw her and Derek and you know how much I love the two of them. We saw her and George. But now it's like, come on, stop <laughs> with the scenes. I want to see her being alive. And I, I, I want to see her fall in love again and this time with the right person. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's like, uh, and I also hoped that there were more scenes between her and Maggie and Amelia. I mean, they're sister and we saw the three of them just for one scene. I hoped yes. that we actually go, got more. Yes. And also, this also brings me to one thing that I didn't like it about this episode. Because yes, we finally got Ace back and God knows how much we missed him, right, Jasmine? Yes, very much so. And I will say this, I like this episode. It felt very different than like last week's, like we talked about, felt like a plateau. It felt very stagnant. This episode, I was literally on edge the entire time and you're supposed to be, it's a mid-season finale. I guess, yeah, so I did have a few issues with him. I guess my biggest issue was the issue I've had for the past two episodes, which is, you know, we had the premiere where we had lots of Meredith and Hayes interaction. We had the next episode that aired where we had that great scene. And then Hayes was for some reason MIA for the next two episodes. And then he comes back and like he appeared on screen within the first like minute. And I was like, yes, he's back. And then we see him interact with Jackson more, uh, which is good. I, I, I did like that. And we you know we see him interact with Levi and the patients and stuff. Um, but I kept, I, I, I kept looking at my screen going, okay, but when is he going to visit Meredith? When are they going to have a scene? And then the, you know, the, the trailer for this episode, the promo made it seem like Meredith and Derek were finally going to meet. And so I kept, in terms of surprise, I kept expecting at the end of the episode, like the last 10 minutes to be, you know, Meredith was going to code and her and Derek were going to talk or Meredith and Hayes, Hayes was going to come see her. They were going to talk. And then Meredith was going to code and see Derek. Like I kept expecting that to happen or she was going to be intubated. And then they were good. Her and Derek were going to meet. I was expecting Meredith and Hayes, Meredith and Derek. And then it ended. And I was like, wait, that's it. We're not, we're not getting that. We have to wait till next to till the new year. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that the fact that we don't see him visiting Meredith, talking to her after the conversation that they had before Meredith signed the POA, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he said we get a scene between her and Luca. What is wrong with these writers sometimes? I mean, they have struck gold with the chemistry between these two characters, mm-hmm. Meredith and Ace, and they don't let us see them. I mean, they don't take advantage of Meredith awake to give us some form of interaction. I think that was wrong and it didn't feel right. It didn't feel right, which makes me worried about the future because actually we got a Meredith and the Lucas scene. I, I want to say this about the Meredith and the Lucas scene. When Lucas t- tells Meredith, I missed your voice, she, <laughs> she smiles at him. And then, when, and, and then she makes a serious face like, oh, 
I don't know. It was like, it's like she doesn't even like him. You know what I mean? Well, I always kind of got that vibe though. Like the whole time she was thinking about dating him and then going out with him, her friends would be like, why are you with that guy? And she was like, eh. Like she kind of always made that, like she always kind of seemed, gave me that vibe the whole way through. Yeah. So that, that's not new to me. And I. No, it's like she's annoyed by him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you were saying, sorry? Yeah. I just, um, like I didn't have scenes together, but to be, honest, to be honest, I didn't really mind them because they felt very much like a doctor treating a patient. Like Deluca was like, okay, like talking shop, all doctor stuff, you know, all medical stuff. And then kind of at the end there, he was like, oh, it's good to, to see you awake, to hear your voice. And then she smiled at him and then she kind of like made a serious face that kind of grimaced. And I kind of get a vibe from them at this point that like, you know, like he says in the premiere, you know, you, you saved my life, you're whatever you want to me. And now he's trying to save her life in return. And you can tell you felt good about that. But at the same time, I mean, the really emotional scene that Duga gets in this episode is him and Bailey talking about their moms dying. It's not a scene yeah. with Meredith. And I really felt that in that scene, I'm like, well, Meredith was awake and doing better. If Dilika was interested in pursuing anything other than friendship and then being colleagues at that time, he, you know, he had the space and the time to say something. So did she. But instead, they've just there seems to be like an unspoken agreement there based on what we saw in the premiere where they're both like, OK, we had our time. We're friends. We're colleagues. It's good. We you know, and, and that's all it is. And they both seem happy with that. And I have to say, I like both characters better in that space. Because, uh, and I know other people said this, um, whether you like those characters or not, um, they seem to kind of bring out the worst in each other. And so, yes. so yeah, so I, I did like that. And they, like, I'm okay with him being her doctor and, you know, being friendly. Like, I'm fine with that. Yeah, and I agree that not seeing, not having Hayes come and visit her, even just to stand outside her window and talk as he did in the, the episode after the premiere was weird. Yeah, and I, the other thing I do want to say before we move on is um, there was stuff I was expecting based on the promo and other stuff to get this episode that it now feels like we're going to have to wait till the mid-season premiere to get, like part two. Yeah, but I was actually not expecting Derek to come back, I have to say, mm. because I feel like the ending is more powerful with Derek not being there. Because mm. if we actually got to see Derek at the end of the episode... He would have made for an, I don't want to say nice ending because Meredith is, is getting intubated, but you know, for there was like a silver lining. But the end of this episode is not about silver linings, it's about despair, despair, you know, it's about pain. Mm -hmm. And to see Meredith we, now sitting on the beach, she's not standing, she, she's now sitting. It's and she's all alone it's like okay this is really serious and right now there is no one next to her so yeah. i mean as much as i hated not seeing derek there next to her i think from a writing standpoint it actually makes sense do you know what i mean yeah and the other thing too is is that you know um now she's alone on this this beach now um and like she's decompensating the title of this episode is no time for despair and that turns out to be yeah. a bit of a joke because 
the whole kind of the title is no time for despair if you watch the episode the point of the episode is this is absolutely the time for despair 100 percent. so it's a joke no time for despair lots of time for despair yeah yeah and the fact and as i said at the beginning the fact that it all happened at night in, mm -hmm. uh, during the night i think it was very poetic i don't know why but i told mm -hmm. you i like the night episodes yeah yeah I don't know. and uh I, I like too that um i know you you highlight, or this means a lot to you, the timelines of stuff. I like that in this episode, we did get some important timeline information. Like Bailey says, my mother died last night, which means that last week's episode, this episode are back to back. And, you know, it's nighttime for the majority of the episode. And then we do, we see like the sun outside. We see that kind of montage of Seattle establishing it's the next day. So two days, yeah. you know, a, kind of like a day and a half pass during this episode and it establishes, you know, that, you know, we're somewhere between like May and June of the timeline. We know how much time is passing. And I, I like that because I feel sometimes uh, in some seasons, you don't get a lot of timeline information. And so when they come back to stuff later, I'm like, wait, was that a year? Was that a week? Was that a month? What the heck happened? Um, so I like that we're getting that this season where they're being very specific about the timeline. Yes. And also uh, at one point, one of the characters, I can't remember who, but I think it's Bailey. No, maybe it's DeLuca. Uh, they say that Meredith has been in, on a, in a coma for uh, yes. eight, days. eight days. So basically, we know that just one week has passed mm -hmm. since the season premiere. And this explains why the storylines are actually not moving forward. Mm -hmm. why, why everything feels stagnant right now. Because it's been just a week in Grace timeline. So of yeah. course, we haven't had those, you know, powerful and, and, and emotional confrontation. It's been just a week. Yeah, yeah. And it's a week at the beginning of the pandemic too, because I think the premiere is April, and then Joe talks yeah. about the movie, which were beginning of May. So if a week has passed, that puts this in like the- like Early May. May. I, think, I, I, think, I think we're in early May. Like yeah, the like second the week May. of May. Um, yeah. And I do want to say this, that this holds to my kind of theory that I think at some point they are going to jump the time. At some point in the second half season, I do think they are going to jump the timeline forward to the fall. Because at a certain point, they're going to run out of story early on in the pandemic because there was just no good news and just nothing got any better. But right now, I think what they're trying to do is showcase like, this is our reality. This was the reality in April and May. This is how the characters are dealing with it. This is how people in the world dealt with it. And that they're trying to reflect and kind of shine a light on some important stuff. And that's what it feels like the, the focus is right now. Yeah, this is, this is a very special season, really focused on COVID. Mm -hmm. It's like, as we said before, it's like everything has been put on hold. And so I think that at the end of the season, they will move on from COVID, hopefully, hopefully. And yeah, we can't have two seasons of COVID. <laughs> what? Sorry? I said we, we can't have two seasons of COVID. <laughs> oh, no, 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 we can't. I couldn't take I mean, it. No, 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 no. I hear COVID in real life. I hope. <laughs> no, no, it's too, it's too much. I hope. I, I hope that now the vaccines are arriving. Mm -hmm. I think they have arrived in, uh, because in Europe, uh, just the UK, the, just only the UK started the, vac the vaccination. So in the USA, vaccine has a vac the vaccine campaign has already started. So I hope that we will get out of the situation very soon. And I hope the grace moves forward as well.
I think we all need it. Yes, I agree. And, and just note on that, um, so as some listeners may or may not know, I'm Canadian, and uh, the vaccines actually arrived in Canada before they came into the U.S. So Canada and the U.K. got them first. And so we've actually started vaccinating. My city, uh, Ottawa, that I live in, actually got some. So um, we've started our vaccination uh, campaign here. The U.S. Is, is now starting theirs as well. And we are on track. We're also getting a, uh, we got a first one, the and then we're getting a second kind as well. So ours, and it's going well so far. We're showing really great uh, results. We're not out of the woods yet, but uh, right now they're projecting for where I am um, by next September. All Canadians will be able to get the vaccine if they want. That's great. Um, I mean, I live in Italy and we will start the the vaccination campaign like at the beginning of January, maybe. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, that's great. That's great news. I hope that uh, we're starting to see the light, so that's great. Yes, and uh, yeah, we're hoping to see the light. And I hope also, you know, not just for the characters on Grey's Anatomy, but for the actors, because, um, you know, living in North America, yeah. again, we don't, I don't want to get too much into this, but the U.S. has not been having a good time with this. Leadership has not been handling it well, and that impacts the actors, because right now L.A. is a hot spot. And so as long as L.A. is a hot spot, it really impacts what these actors can do. And so the more vaccines that are, that are uh, put out, that people can access, and you know, um, the more our two countries can work together on this, you know, the more people get vaccinated, people get better sooner, we can inoculate the entire population, and the sooner Meredith gets off that beach, you know, so it's a win-win <laughs> for <Yeah>. everybody. <laughs> win-win, of, yes, yes, um, uh, yes, of yeah. course. And then we had another another important storyline in this episode: the return of Opal. Yes. Do you want to talk about it? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you'll probably have more to say than I will, but, uh, yeah, Opal, the, uh, from the human trafficking storyline comes back. Um, and for those of you who, who may not recall, that was the, um, the girl that was being human trafficked, who Opal was supposedly her aunt and Deluca picked up on the fact that there was something wrong, but, um, because his, he'd been manic and then wasn't, um, wasn't doing so well, the other characters didn't believe him. Um, so she, you know, then he, they helped the girl. Uh, Cindy got help when she returned to the hospital alone and uh, so Opal comes back and um, yeah I had a vibe as soon as Opal showed up I was like and Schmidt's the one that admits her I was like okay Schmidt wasn't a part of that storyline so he doesn't know and there's so many close calls with like the police officer where he's like well you were mugged did you want to do a statement yeah. the whole thing and I felt so bad because I feel like at some later point Schmidt's gonna find out that that's who that was. And he's going to feel so bad because he had the woman and he had no idea. But at the same time, I was kind of like, and I always kind of have this, I always think of this, that there are so many times on Grays where I'm like, where the hell is security? Or like, where are there hmm. protocols around banning people or putting up photos or wristbands? Good question. Good, good question. Because I was like, um, okay, once that happened though, shouldn't they have put her picture up and put her on the band list that all employees would have access to? Because in real life, that's what a hospital would do, right? Like you have, I mean, for retail stores, you have lists of people that aren't allowed in if they do something weird. So in real life, you know, I think that Schmidt would have known, he would have been told. Um, yeah. Where in, in the world of television, you know, DeLuca is the one that recognized her because he was a part of that case. Um, and so I had a vibe early on that that moment where Opal's coming down the hallway and DeLuca almost sees her, but then a nurse asks him about something and so he doesn't. Right then I thought, okay, 
she they're gonna keep just missing each other until the end of this episode and then something bad is gonna happen i had that vibe and i was right i thought i, I thought i actually thought that it was gonna be even more dramatic yes i yeah. thought there was gonna be something huge happening at the end of the episode involving opal and and deluca yeah and i i expected um actually you know i was expecting something between the kidnapper and deluca like i thought maybe he was going to recognize opal and then wind him in a situation where like the kidnapper was going to pull something or he was going to be put in harm's way that way or like schmidt was going to yeah. come back and they were both going to be like i don't know in harm's way but then when they said okay he had a stroke and i'm like okay well he's not going anywhere or doing anything if he's having brain surgery and a stroke and at the end you know we see that he recognized her and him and Karina decided to go after her. Um, like, I mean, it was dramatic, but I'm like, well, they've set up a car chase. Whoopity whoop. Like, you know? You know what? I, I, I'm i going to make a prediction. So I think this is a setup for them for a crossover event when Session 19 returns, when Session mm -hmm. 19 and Grey's Anatomy return. Yeah. Maybe they will, Karina and Luca will find themselves in a dangerous situation. Maybe Fire will be involved maybe Maya from Station 19, who's also Karina's girlfriend, mm -hmm. will be involved. And then yeah. Opal will become a patient as well in episode seven of Grey's Anatomy. So they were back at the hospital. I think it's going to be a big crossover event in March. Mm. And I have to say, I have to say that I know people are very excited about this storyline, but yeah. I honestly don't get why. Because this storyline feels out of place in this show. I mean, as long that as as long as that woman Opal had his fake knees as a patient at the hospital, it made sense. But now, why should we be interested in seeing him and Karina follow her outside the hospital? It feels like they're embarking on an adventure, a dangerous <laughs> one that is not right for this show. You know, it's like I mean, I read somewhere that someone said, "Oh, this feels like the beginning of a CW show," and I agree. <laughs> This is not Grey's Anatomy. Why should we care about the Luke and Corinna following this woman outside the hospital? I, I think this is just a setup for session 19. I agree. I think I think if the rest of that crossover, like them following her in the car, appears on station 19, that would make sense. Because like if they follow her and then something happens, you know, if Maya calls, if they, like they call on the fire or like Maya calls, Corinna calls Maya and is like, hey, here's what's going on. And, you know, station 19 and the other first responders rush to the scene because... You know, Maya's like, hey, I just got this call from my girlfriend and here's what's going yeah. on. That, yeah. the kind of the chase thing makes sense. So if they do that part of on station 19 and then, you know, Opal shows up as a patient as a result. Okay, I could I could buy into that. Um, but yeah, no, if the car chase takes place on Grey's, that that wouldn't, I agree, wouldn't make much sense. Um, I get, I think they're highlighting an important topic. Um, yeah. But I'm not super into the like whole chase element. Um, one one thing I did like about this episode and about that storyline was the speech that Maggie, um, so Maggie and Jackson's lines. So the speech that Maggie makes to Amelia. Oh yes, amazing. Um, I love that. And I want to say a few things about it. First off, I, in contrast to last week's episode, like you and I were talking about how it really felt like a PSA. This one felt different for me in that Maggie's speech, like, yes, she riles off a bunch of stuff that, you know, a bunch of facts. But because she's a black woman and because everything she's saying is true and because all the anger that uh, black women, black people, people of color have to and other groups that are affected in that way 
that don't receive fair treatment have to carry around with them all the time and the stress of that and how that sends so many people to an early grave, just the stress of having to carry that. If you were one of the people, um, especially from a North American context, I can't speak to other people's, but as a Canadian, as a, you know, somebody who lives in North America, um, the stress of having to carry that around um, is heartbreaking. Um, and it's not something I can understand as a white person, but I can obviously empathize. And yeah. I, I love Maggie's speech to Amelia because it felt real, not just because it's a real thing she's talking about, but, you know, Maggie, the actress who plays Maggie as, as a black woman feels that because this is not just something for TV. This is a real reality that she has to carry around with her as a human being that she is at higher risk, even though she's famous because, you know, Kelly McCurry, because she's, you know, because, you know, we as fans see her as Maggie, right? But somebody else could just see her as another black woman and that makes her vulnerable. And I really love that somebody finally called Amelia on that and, and not to be not to not that I don't like Amelia. I, I've often wondered when they deal with stuff about Amelia's addiction in the past, like her and Richard and Amelia's friendship. I've often wondered why they didn't talk about the racialized nature of addiction because Richard's an alcoholic, which is quite frankly the reason that man is still alive. Because if Richard was a drug addict like Amelia is, he would have been killed by now. Like that's just oh. either in prison or some police officer would have gone after him. Um, that's a reality. So. And I, I've often felt confused because I'm like, well, why aren't they addressing, you know, like they've addressed him in his addiction, uh, Richard's addiction, but they, they never really addressed that. And that, that's always kind of bothered me. So I really like that Maggie looked at Emilio and just kind of, she's like, because I'm, she, this person's my sister. I can tell her this without knowing that she's going to, you know, being certain that my sister's not going to attack me or get violent or get aggressive. And she just called Emilio and was like on her unconscious bias and said, you know, you're pissed off because, you know, oh my God, this inhuman monster kidnapped some girls. You're not getting the bigger picture. You're all mad. You and Owen are mad as white people. You just see a kid, a couple of kidnapped girls. I see the fact that black girls are more at risk than, than everybody else than, than, than your child will ever be. And, you know, I'm enraged that people don't get that. I'm enraged that people aren't seeing this, that- Well, the, the, the people aren't seeing the monsters that put these little girls in this situation. Yes. And I also loved her line too, that, you know, about patience. And so it felt real to me in the way that Jackson's line of the previous episode didn't about the P in the PSA way, in that she says, you know, if people were dying, if white people were dying at the rate that black and brown people are in this country, we wouldn't be having a conversation about mass. It would be the law. And, um, you know, while I'm not American, I think that's sadly very true. It's true in the US, um, you know, in, in Canada, you know, again, it's, we do have more tighter regulations around mask wearing, like it's, it's mandatory in most cities, in uh, public places, like in, in enclosed public spaces. But yeah, like you do have people who are like, I have a right to not wear a mask. And Maggie's point that, you know, it's because it doesn't affect white people the same way it does affect everybody else. And if it did, we wouldn't be having a conversation about this. And I'm glad she said that. It's so true. It needs to be said. It needs to be acknowledged. And I'm really glad that Amelia, kudos to her, having gone through her treatment and managing her addiction and having her brain tumor removed, Amelia looks at her and goes, oh my God, you're right. You're right. And I'm not seeing this and I should. Whereas I think pre-tumor, pre-when her addiction was out of control, I don't think Amelia would have taken it that way. And uh, yeah, I love their conversation. It felt very authentic to me. It's an important issue to highlight, and I'm glad they're addressing that, um, both with Amelia and Maggie. Um, yeah, and, and I like that when Amelia and, and Maggie have this kind of scenes. I remember that scene in, in season 12 when actually uh, 
Maggie explained to Amelia her experience as a black woman. So mm -hmm. the conversation that these two women have always feels so authentic and real and so powerful and accessory. So yeah, yeah, it was it was a very powerful moment. And and also kudos to, uh, I mean, Kelly McCreary's who plays Maggie is amazing, is an amazing actress because yes. you actually feel all the pain and the rage behind her words. Yes. And all I the part that, that she, she's carrying. You can you can feel it. And I think that is not only the writing, but you know, the acting and her acting. This season especially, I think is splendid. Really, yes. really good acting. I, I agree. And I love too, it's that it's kind of the same element about the um, anti-Asian racism and the um, you know the the patient storyline from a couple episodes ago where I think it's why it's important that people yeah dash patients yeah yeah people get to write their own stories like not only are the writers part of those groups whether we're talking about black people or Asian people whatever but also the actors who play them because yes this is a story but when those actors say those things they're not just talking as their characters or talking about whether that's been their personal experience or not it comes from a place of you know, they know somebody or they know that this is real for many people. And you feel that you not only the quality of the acting, but you, you, you feel that learned experience. And that's not something if you haven't been through it, that I think you would be able to play the same way. And um, yeah, you feel her rage and and she acts the hell out of it. And yeah, I think she's she's doing an amazing job this season. I, I really agree. Yeah. I mean, we were saying before that this episode didn't feel stymied, that things were moving forward. And finally, we got some movement on Teddy and Owen's storyline. I thought that Richard was amazing this episode. Of yes. course, he's the wise man as always. And I think that he, he says something very important at the end. He says, this, the pandemic, what's happening, will hurt us in a way we can even begin to understand. Mm -hmm. And I think we will keep seeing this throughout the season. Mm -hmm. But that speech that he... Yes. Gives Teddy. I mean, it, it was amazing when yes. he kept saying, when he says to her, that's so new. If you're miserable, if you're alone, that's so new. Mm -hmm. Find out what you did, what you did. Name your demons. You need to take inventory. I mean, Teddy blew up her life. Yeah. And finally, she's forced to acknowledge it and to understand why she's done, she did it, why she's done it. And I think that was amazing. And I think that was very much needed yes and i loved loved the last scene between owen and teddy mm. because teddy is really confused right now she's like why have i done what i what i did why did i do something so horrible something that hurt the love of my life so much the father of my child mm -hmm. why did i sabotage myself why did i sabotage my happiness this is a question she's finally asking herself and she doesn't know the answer she doesn't but what she understands at the end of the episode is that she has to come clean to to owen and when she finally confesses to owen that she loved allison not just as a friend but as a lover i think owen's reaction was very powerful and i know that people hate the guy but I can't help but feeling sorry for him. Yeah, okay. I actually want to talk about that because, like, again, I'm not an Owen fan and you know that, but I have to say this storyline with Teddy last season and this season 
has actually made me feel sorry for Owen. And that's a lot. Like, I never mm-hmm. thought I would say that. But the the scene where he re- he listened to the voicemail last season, and then this season where she says that to him, and Owen realizes, he's like, I don't really know you. I actually felt bad for the guy. And I'm like, wow, Teddy, you're lying to the point I actually feel bad for Owen. Wow. Like, what a mess. Ugh. That's not that's not a good sign. No. I mean to discover that, that that you named your daughter after a lie, after the woman that your wife loved. I mean, that's very, very bad. I mean, Owen can catch this season. Yeah, I plus she doesn't the other thing I caught too is okay, she tells Owen that and he's pissed, and I get why. But the other thing I noticed was she says that her and Allison were lovers. But she neglects to, she starts off by saying, I don't know why I, like, I did what I did and I cheated on you. But she neglects to mention when she comes clean to Owen that her and Allison were having an affair. So she still hasn't told him the whole yeah. truth. And I'm like, good God, Teddy, if you're going to say something, say the whole thing. Just come right out and say it. But don't tiptoe around the situation. <laughs> but do you think, but do you think that's necessary? I mean... Yes, because she's talking, trying to say why she cheated on Owen with Tom. And then she said she was in love with Allison, but neglects to mention that her and Allison were having an affair. I think that's very relevant. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, she should have told him. You're completely right. I don't know, because I, I feel bad for Teddy as well. I mean, it's like she's very confused. She's in this bubble of, of, of she's just wandering around, not knowing what to do with life. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Her, I'm sorry for Owen and I mean I'm not a huge fan of this pairing but I think that it's fascinating to watch these two people navigate this this very difficult time I mean they're trying to understand what what to do next in their relationship amid a pandemic I mean it's a very incredibly hard situation to live in so I'm 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 very curious to see where this storyline goes. It was one of my favorite parts of the of season sixteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. I mean, I know Teddy made a mistake, but it just opened very interesting possibilities story wise. So I'm really excited to see what happens next and how Teddy recovers from this moment because I'm sure that she will come out stronger. And and uh, I still think that she and Dawen are actually endgame. Speaking of things I would like to be endgame, <laughs> since since you brought that up, um, <laughs> uh, Maggie and Winston. Um, we As we see in this episode, uh, Winston shows up in, in Seattle with flowers at Maggie's hotel room, uh, which I loved. They're so cute together. I definitely, like I've said from the beginning, I definitely get soulmate vibes from those two. I feel like they're setting up Maggie's end pairing. They very much get each other. And at the beginning scene with the two of them where Maggie was freaking out because Meredith was doing better, I really felt she reflected the audience there because her joy was our joy. Um, Yes. And then Winston was in like a car in a parking lot and he had to sign up really quickly and Maggie was a little bit upset. Um, and he was like, oh, like, let me go get my eggs. And my first thought was, why is this guy getting eggs at the grocery store and not having them delivered if he's a doctor and in a pandemic? Like, I get my groceries delivered. I have for years. And I'm not as rich as he is. And oh, you didn't realize that he was actually in Seattle? No, not until the end where her phone was going oh. off and there was a knock. And I was like, oh, he's in Seattle. He went to the grocery store to get her flowers. And then he opened the door. Oh, and that you- was true. 
do you know I was sure about it? Because mm-hmm. when they shot Winston for the first time, there was like this sign which said market. And I know that in Seattle, they have this public market. Which I thought is I recognized that from somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So that was actually a giveaway for me. I wonder how they filmed that too. I wonder if that was, I mean, they couldn't. Oh, have... I think they were just in a parking lot in Los Angeles studio. Probably CGI the market sign in. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they didn't fly to Seattle. No, they didn't to fly to Seattle. Seattle. I think Nora, they would have, but not yeah. this year. Yeah, so I love them. I think they're very cute. Although I'm interested to see how Maggie reacts in the when we come back in the new year because you know she she doesn't want to answer the door. She's ignoring her phone. She's just had it, and I get I totally get why Maggie feels that way. But the implication there is, you know, she's hugging Winston. They're gonna spend the night together. He brought her flowers. They're pro- she's probably taking the day off or the next day, and then she's gonna show up to work all happy. And you know, Winston's gonna be there offering his services. You know, presumably, you know. He's going to be moving there and she's going to be all happy and peppy. And he's going to be all happy and peppy. And Amelia or Richard or Bailey is going to have to turn to her and be like, hey, why didn't you pick up your phone? And she was like, oh, what's going on? And they're going to have to tell her that Meredith's been intubated and that she's decompensated. And Maggie is going to be so distraught. She's going to feel like the world's worst sister. She's going to be distraught. But for right now, Maggie is happy and I'm happy for her. Yes, yes. And I have to say that the last scene between the two of them, Mm -hmm. that hug was amazing. I was, it was a hug full of joy and hope, but at the same time full of despair. She went from from laughing to crying and it it was very, very emotional. and, And I loved it. I loved it. I loved it too. And my feeling from that scene was, that was great, but can we get that same kind of movement with Meredith and Hayes? Please, can we? You know, you know Maggie, Meredith's sisters are living their best lives. You know, Amelia and Link, Maggie and Winston. Christina's in Switzerland, you know, doing her thing. I mean, like she's deceased, so not living her best life. Um, oh, speaking but- of Christina, I want to say something. A thing that is really bothering me is why is no one mentioning Christina? I mean... Christina is, I mean, off screen, she's, 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 she's checking up on, on, on Meredith, of course. But yeah. why hasn't anyone mentioned her? I mean, yeah. it's, this feels strange. Also, since because we had Christina mentions last season. And I think this is very strange. And also the same for Alex. Just because these characters left, they just are not interested in Meredith's condition. Like, yeah, just drop a line. Or like, with Hayes too, like I think there's an opportunity for Hayes to be out the outside Meredith's window, even if she's not awake or just talking to her briefly. And then, you know, texting Christina or just saying to Bailey or Richard, oh yeah, I was, um, I gave I gave Yang and Karev an update on Meredith's condition this morning. Like that would, yeah. you know, cause he would have their numbers. So like it would be take them five or even to Jackson. Like it would take them five, seconds to do that and and it would make sense so yeah yeah this is really bothering me right now really really bothering i mean meredith life is about to end and and christina and karev no no this doesn't make sense i'm sorry i'm really mad for this uh sometimes these writers i told you sometimes these writers <laughs> um speaking of um so speaking of things that the writers did good in this episode i thought that they handled very well the belly storylines and the loss the powerful loss that she felt what do you think about that 
Yeah, I agree. I loved um, I loved Bailey's storyline this episode. Her feeling that loss, the struggle between losing somebody but feeling like you have to be of service, um, wanting yeah. to just get up and go through the day and keep like everyone around you being like, take time off, take time off. And obviously not the same kind of loss, but when my grandfather passed away earlier this year, um, you know, I was like, oh, do I just keep working? My best friend was like, no, like if your work gives you three days off for bereavement, take the three days. Even if you're not feeling the loss, you need time. So I totally got Bailey this episode where she just wanted to work and everybody was like, go home. And she's like, or like her, her line where she says to Richard, I'm not going to put my children at risk, my boys at risk of COVID the same week they lose their grandmother. Um, so she doesn't feel like she can go home safely but you know, and then later on, the characters are like, "You need to take a pause, take a breath. Like you just lost your mother." And um, yeah. as much as I'm not a fan of Luke as a character, I did think they had some nice scenes where he kind of talked about losing his mother, and he. And I also think there's been a, a definite. We finally get some character development for him in that. You know, I feel like he spent the last two seasons just kind of. You know, his personality didn't change. There was no development there. Whereas in this episode, we see. You know, like he says to her, you know, he talks about what a great boss she is. And he said, so I mean no disrespect for when I say this, please know this, but go away. Like, go have a moment. And I'm glad that we finally got some development there. And then he's making that distinction. He's taking the time to be like, I mean no disrespect, but. And so I did like their can scene. I, can I say something? Yeah. The only thing that I didn't like about this Verdi storyline actually was her talking to the Luca. Yeah. I don't know why, but their interaction never felt real to me. Yeah, no, I get it's that. Like, you know, because, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's because I don't love the DeLuca's character, mm -hmm. but it's like all of his interaction feel fake. I don't know why. They just seem fake. Even when he's touching Belly, I'm like, why are you touching her? You're not <laughs> her friend. You know what I mean? I, I, I can feel the, the familiarity. I, I don't why they just they just don't feel real to me they, i mean this interaction this relationship yeah I, and, when Betty, and when betty tells him oh you're uh, you're now a sane person and you're you're taking care of yourself you i mean i get that but again it feels scripted yeah and i i think i think what you're touching on there is one of these i've hard time empathizing with luke as a character is because when he first shows up in like season I think he first appears in season 12, then he's around more in season 13. 11, 11, um, 11, at the end of season 11. Okay. Um, in the first couple of seasons he was on the show, I guess the first three or so, like 12, 13, 14, he worked well as a background character, but the writers never took the opportunity to develop his character any further. He felt very one-dimensional, which when he was a background character worked fine, but then when they decided to give him a bigger role in season 15, because I hadn't done the work to really develop the character, um, give him depth, give him a real backstory, give him meaningful connections to other characters. When they suddenly gave him more screen time, it, it kind of felt to me like what you're saying right here is that like, well, the dialogue is nice because I didn't take the time to establish that. And the other characters seem to kind of dislike him or they outright say they dislike him or they seem kind of indifferent to him. It feels when they do no. try to create something warm and fuzzy, it feels very detached and kind of fake, like you said, because they didn't yeah. they didn't take the time to do that when they should have. And then they quickly tried to shoehorn backstory in season 15, and it just didn't work because they hadn't done the setup properly. And 
yes, at this point, I agree. Lost. Like, and they also changed. And they also changed his backstory. Oh, so when he was talking, yeah, when he was talking about, yeah, when he was talking about his mother, I actually didn't believe him because his backstory kept changing. You know, mm-hmm. just to stew it the character in that moment. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I I feel the writing when he talks. And this yeah, shouldn't happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And two characters instead that I, I don't feel divided, that I feel they have natural chemistry mm-hmm. are Joe and Levi. Yeah. I love the two of them. I love their banter. I love everything about the two of them. And I, I, I have to say that I'm really excited to see the next chapter in Joe's career because I think it's an interesting move. So I know that you don't agree with me that, you know, this is a show about surgeons. So what's going to happen with her is she's not going to be a surgeon. But I think she's choosing joy. And when a person chooses joy, I just applaud her. Mm. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, I agree with you about Joe and Levi. I think they have great chemistry as friends. I think they have a great dynamic. Uh, their scenes are always funny um, and sweet and interesting. Um, I like their kind of like their banter where she's like, don't shame me. He's like, I'm not shaming you. You're kind of shaming me. Um, and I like that they can both be comfortable with each other. Um, and it's for, I don't, I don't have a problem with Joe choosing joy or switching it up. I guess kind of like what I talked about last episode, my issue is that, okay, she worked on, you know, she was with and married to Alex for years, never showed any interest in being around kids or wanting them. So it feels kind of out of place for me. And then in this episode, she says, she says that she wants to, she straight up says she wants to quit surgery and become an OBGYN. And my question is, okay, in the short term, there's a story there, but where does that story end up? Because if Grey's is a show that focuses, like right now they're focusing on COVID, right? So not a lot of surgeries are happening, but let's say next season, it goes back to them being able to do more surgeries. If Joe transfers from general surgery into OB, um, I feel like her stories are going to dry up there. And so I'm confused as to where- yeah, you're forgetting You're forgetting about Edison Montgomery. Yeah, but she was a fetal surgeon and they, like she was many you're things. Right. Like she could perform right. surgery. And you're right. She doesn't say, I want to go into pediatric surgery in OB. She said, I want to quit surgery. So where are they going? That's my question. I don't know. And I I'm think confused. that's what, what, makes it is, what makes it interesting. Uh, yeah. I think Joe has lots of store of possible storyline this season. Her love life, her, her, her path, her music. Sorry, yeah. 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 So it's time for our favorite quote. <laughs> and what's yours? My quote actually comes from Owen. And even though I'm not an Owen fan, in the last few seasons, he's had some real zingers. Like his one liners are on point. So shout out to whoever on the writing team or show running team decided to start doing that with Owen, like giving him some <laughs> zinger one liners. Um, yeah. So my fave, and I think because Owen is such a serious person that when he has a brief moment of comedy, it just, it hits me really hard. I'm just like, oh, that was freaking hilarious. Um, so my favorite one was, you know, he says a bunch of stuff to the to the kidnapper um, that he yeah. thinks Mr. could have gotten him fired. And he does the whole thing like, what is it? He's like, he says he's like the devil's barbecue and walk goes to walk. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was my line as well. So yeah. <laughs> no, but that's not actually my line though. That's not actually my line. So okay. I'm, I'm setting the setup for the line. Let me do my setup. Let me do my setup. So okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Walk away. And then the guy starts, you know, his face sags and he starts to 
to like he he uh he, he passes out and he starts to deteriorate and Owen looks back at him and goes bold move dave <laughs> oh yeah right dramatic move <laughs> like, yeah now we gotta save you bold move dave so that yeah, was amazing. That's, that's my favorite <laughs> line that's my favorite line Yes. You know what? But since you chose an Owen uh, line, I'm going to choose another one because um, I think there was a powerful line from the mother of one of the two girls uh, kidnapped. And at one point, this woman says something. She says that the next morning, no matter what, even though her daughter has uh, was kidnapped the, day, the, the night before, she has to wake up and she has to go to work. And she said, because she needs uh, to, to pay her bills, mm -hmm. to buy food. And she said something which affected me a lot. She says, there is no stopping. There is no relief, even during a pandemic. Mm -hmm. I mean, how powerful is that? Yeah. I mean, people still have to get up, still have to go to work. And it's, I mean, the state we're in right now is just devastating mm -hmm. really devastating so jasmine now that we have told our favorite quote we're at the end of this episode and the show we know that it's going to be on a haters for a long time mm -hmm. but we have a surprise for you right jasmine yes uh so even though the show is going on haters for a while uh we are not so we are going to be back with new content uh we've got lots of cool stuff planned uh we've got lots of great ideas topics to discuss, uh, character studies, uh, guests. Yeah, they're going to be very surprising yes. episodes. We have we have fun fun stuff coming up. You're going to yes. be surprised. Yes. So keep 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 uh, keep following us. Yes, so keep listening and we are going to have new stuff to get you through the hiatus before uh, Grace comes back in the new year. Um, so yeah, so stay tuned and keep listening, keep subscribing, tell your friends and uh, that's our show. Um, so as always, if you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review our show and tell your friends, like I said. Um, our theme song is inspired by Kevin McLeod. You can find us on Twitter at Dancing Out Pod and on Instagram at Dancing Out Grey's Anatomy. Until next time, I'm Jasmine. And I'm Giuseppe. And Jasmine, we should say Merry Christmas to everyone. Yeah. Merry, Merry Christmas and happy holidays uh, to everyone out there and whatever else it is that you celebrate. Yeah. So uh, for now, uh, this is Dance It Out. A Grey's Anatomy podcast. Mm -hmm.